that's fine to group the Busey vehicles. So if we spark, if we start, uh, <laughs> if we, <Busey> versus, <laughs> if we do space camp into contact, yes, then we bunch up our Tom Scarrets, yeah. and then contact into Starship Troopers, we bunch up our Buseys. Yes. Well, I, uh, the only I'm trying to think of the connection because I'm like Sigourney Weaver was an alien with Tom Scarrett. <laughs> <laughs> And it was the voice of the computer yeah. in Wally. Yes, so there yeah, there we go. From an orbit adjacent to an under-construction space station, I'm your first female shuttle commander, Anne Lundholm, and this show has everything. Breathtaking scenery, dangerous decisions, miscast movie stars, wildly differing assessments of NASA's competence, (laughs) meditations on science versus faith, and plenty of giant bugs full of goo. Now, while I'm waiting for my re-entry window to White Sands, I've been watching and re-watching some of my favorite space set movies. Yep, the Tishi Cinema Road Trip Spectacular has launched into space. But I'm not alone on this perilous journey because I'm joined by a uniformly competent crew. First up, from Space Fantasy Island, she's found the primer to understanding mysterious alien messages. It's Hillary Livingston Butler. Hi, Hillary. They should have sent a poet. I always <laughs> laugh at that line. So corny. <laughs> that was going to be my opening if I did it. I was like, they should have sent some poets, but they sent us. <laughs> Hi. Uh, next up, she's one of Rico's roughnecks on her way to Klondathu. It's Meredith, the MVH Van Harn. Hi, Meredith. Hi. Did you guys know I'm from Buenos Aires? <laughs> You'd never know it. I could from tell. My accent really? and the color of my skin. <laughs> and finally... From distant future Earth, he's a love-struck robot with a peculiar fondness for musicals. It's Bobby Pave. Good evening, Bobby. <laughs> Beep boop. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start with a little small talk. We'll see what's in the mailbag and find out what you would do for a career if you didn't have to worry about things like, you know, food and health care. We're going to talk space movies in medium talk and skip the Tishi recommendations for this week because... We've been busy. Yeah. We have lives, people, and we'll let you know how you can get involved with the show. All right, Hillary. Yes. How's Galveston? Um, yes, as uh, mentioned on the previous show, I went to Galveston for my annual kind of college girlfriends um, trip. And I think I mentioned it last year, but just to remind, like when I first started going in 2010, I did not have any children. Um, I think it was five couples and there were two kids. Now there are six couples and 14 kids. <laughs> uh, I know. Luckily now there are only like two smallest children. So basically the kids are all staying up until I don't even, I mean, I think I went to bed before Bridget did. It's, you know, they're drinking Dr. Peppers. They're eating crap. They're doing TikToks, swimming. It, they had a grand old time, but um, it was really, really, really fun. I'm um, Galveston. Okay, so Texas obviously has a coastline. It's not beautiful. I love Padre. South Padre is, I think, is actually pretty. Um, 
I went there a few years ago and it is an, it's a pretty beach, nice sand, nice water, even though it is the Gulf. It's, it's, I like the Gulf cause it's warm and I'm a baby. So it feels sort of nice. Um, Galveston on the other hand, not so nice. I mean, it sort of can be okay sometimes, but we were actually staying on a bay house. So our, our house had a pool, which was great. Um, and we had to drive to the beach just like a two minute drive. It wasn't a big deal, but I, you know, as previously stated, I do hate schlepping. So when you're going to the Mm. beach, you're like, what do we have to bring? Like, we're not going to drive back. What do we have to bring? What do we have to bring? So we're like gathering all the shit together. We go to the beach, this whole crew of us, um, we get it. You know, the kids are playing in the water. I kind of get in the water for a second. Um, Within 30 minutes, one kid got, like, cut by, I don't know, like a seashell or something. And another kid got stung by a jellyfish. And we were like, (laughs) we're done. Let's go home. Like, this is, we're done. This is Because the the problem with the water is that it is adjacent to, like, oil tankers. So it's not like, you're not like, oh, I want to rinse off in the water and, like, clean out my cut or anything like that. So... We, we that was our quick journey on Saturday. It's a beach sponsored by Big Tetanus. <laughs> um, absolutely. <laughs> um, anyway, so it was beyond that. It was really, really fun. I did maybe eat some minorly bad shellfish, but um, other than that, Ooh. I had yeah, it was not pretty. But it I, it was a really good time. Though I had to remind myself that like I can't go hard three nights in a row because by when I got home on Monday, it was just, I, I mean, Dave and I both were like, we are kaput. And it wasn't even like, oh, we were drinking so, so much, but it's just sort of consistent drinking and eating really rich foods and staying up break. way too yeah. late. And on Friday, you're like, this is going to be so fun. And then by Sunday, you're like the walking wounded. You're like, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm so tired. Anyway, but it was it was really, really, really fun. But I think we all decided. I just got a text from that group that says, we're going to try to find a lake house near Austin or Dallas. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, please. And thank you. So it might be a little bit of an easier drive. Because it's also um, about a four-hour drive, which isn't terrible. But then, with you know, we always have to stop. We did stop at a Bucky's, But I was basically shielding the kids' eyes. Like, do not look at anything. Just keep going to the bathroom. <laughs> and they do have lovely bathrooms there. But it's kind of chaotic when you get the in. The cleanest in America. They are lovely. But I'm like, don't look. You're not getting anything. We're not getting toys. We're not getting food. You just need to go in. Anyway, so it was it was fun. But I'm, I'm glad to be on the other side of it. Well, that's it for small talk. We have a lot to do in this show. We do. We do. So, yeah, let's move straight on to the mailbag. We got um, a very nice but mildly concerning um, voicemail from Alicia. <laughs> um, it was uh, regarding – here, just take a listen. Hey, Tishi. It's Alicia calling with two unrelated bits of trivia, I guess you could say. Um, I have a habit when I am listening to my podcasts and walking to work through the busy city streets of listening with just one earbud in so I can be a little bit more aware of my surroundings. And the only podcast where this um, approach is really disrupted is Tishi because I guess the opening song, All Right, is playing in stereo. And so when I listen with just one uh, earbud in, I don't hear the horns. So I should hear, you know, the opening, and then the horn should come in, but 
there's no horns. It only plays in the left ear. So when I am listening and not paying attention to um, the fact that I only have one in, I am expecting the horns and then I'm just left hanging. So word to the wise, always listen to your Tishi with two earbuds in. And two, last week you were talking about root beer floats and I have to highly recommend if you are someone who drinks alcohol, adding just a dash of Disarono Amaretto to your root beer before you put the vanilla ice cream in or in fact putting the ice cream in and then pouring the Disarono over both of them and it just uh, heightens the experience and um, it's an amazing flavor combination. So enjoy and I don't know. Keep on rocking. You know, it's so funny because I I, I don't notice it when I'm listening the 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 stereo thing. I don't notice it when I'm editing the show so much because I have like I don't have my AirPods in. I have just like my normal um headphones in and so I don't notice the stereo effect. I, I need to pay more attention because I, I get what she's saying where you're like, I just want to have one AirPod in so I'm not like I can hear things that are going on around me. But I, I, I don't know. We need to troubleshoot it, I guess. <laughs> well, it's hard because uh, as we were sort of kicking this around on our chat the other day, um, we were talking about keeping tracks in stereo versus mono mm. and I knock everything down to mono so that you'll hear everything in both ears, right. except for our intro song, because I figured that Stevie must have done it that way for a reason. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. yeah. And who am I to decide to change Stevie <laughs> yeah. Wonder's work that we're stealing? I'm I borrowing, homaging. <laughs> yes. Right. Definitely um, creating new art with yep, legally. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Satire. I want to know why any of our listeners think it's okay to only listen with one ear. <laughs> You're like, I'm looking How at you. <laughs> Wanting to be aware when you're potentially out around traffic? I don't know about this, Alicia. That's what transparency mode is for. You don't need to take them out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I I, actually did notice it. Well, I listen, once I have edited a podcast on like, as soon as it comes into my podcatcher, I cannot delete it fast enough because I've listened to it so many times. I'm, cool <laughs> I'm like, delete. I can't. I can't listen to it again. I'm done. Like, I can't. I do, do have. I, I do have some advice for anyone who's brave enough or stupid enough to go against the want of Stevie Wonder. Um, I, at least on an iPhone, and, and I would assume that your uh, your other brands could also do this. Uh, in the accessibility settings, I'm nearly certain you can force your stereo sound into mono. So if you are a one earbud regular listener, you can do that. When I was hosting trivia all those years, I pushed stereo to mono on my output so that if people could only hear one of my speakers in the bar, they weren't getting half, half of, of a song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And so, you know, if you're a one earbud person, pursue the accessibility settings in your phone oh. and, uh, you know, just uh, ruin the depth and beauty of the music that you were trying to hear. <laughs> yeah. Do you hear that, Alicia? There yeah, there you go. <laughs> I feel like every time we Alicia specifically reaches out with something very nice or mildly constructive <laughs> or just observational, I'm just like, yeah, fuck you, Alicia. <laughs> I know, and you so. might 
might like run into her in like downtown crossing or something. Yep. I know. You're gonna be like, Hey, what's I'm up? I'm pretty sure I owe Alicia at least a couple of drinks. <laughs> so um and Views also expressed by Bobby are not necessarily held by the <laughs> remainder of the tissue <laughs> Um and number two, I'm fully gonna add Di Sirono Amaretto to root beer floats. That sounds Heck delicious. Yeah. Di reminds me of early Bravo days when do you remember when like um Queer Eye was on Bravo and they always advertised Di Sirono? I had never heard of it before and I was like, What is this Di Sirono? I have to Are you talking it. original vintage yes. Queer Eye with yes. Carson yes. Cressley? Yes. yes. And um Gosh, now I can like I can like see all of their faces. The one, the Tom culture, with the H. Yes. Oh, I love he, Tom. He was the carpenter. Yeah, he was like the home guy. Yeah. And, I met um, I, I met Carson Cressley at Century City Mall when I worked there, you did. and he was <laughs> mm, exactly how you would think he would be. Like <laughs> yeah. he is not any different. And uh, um, Ted Allen was the food guy, and Jay, Jay. something or other was the <laughs> which. What culture guy? Like yeah. I don't know. Talk about like going to see a Broadway play or something. Yep. And who was the hair guy? He was very handsome. Yes, I can see his face, but I can't remember his name. But he was very Kyan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a time! Two thousand three. That was a great yep. time. Anyway, thank you for the suggestions. <laughs> we will take them and fuck off, Alicia. Just kidding. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean any malice. That's never the intent. Um, and moving to question of the week responses, which is what job would you do if money and access to insurance didn't matter? Um, I was thinking about mine. I think I would definitely be like, Christy sort of answered what mine would be. I'd always think like, I want somebody to bring me their idea of a movie and I can be like, no. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I like when Christy was explaining it. She's like, I just like to, you know, like read and watch TV. And and I'm like, where's the work part? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, some of these are such like great answers. And I was like, I don't like I want to watch like play Candy Crush, watch TV. Like that sounds like a dream to me if I didn't have to make money. Um, Bob emailed in and said, "Okay, I got some ideas. Uh, this is, was an email, by the way, so it's like a little bit more lengthy than a uh, Facebook response. One, open a bakery and make artisan sourdough baked goods. Two, open a brewery yes. and make delicious beer. Sure. Sure. Three, open a neighborhood gastropub and have live music and allow local performers to jam one night a week. On the accordion? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bob, yeah. That's he's going to play. It. Yeah. And then you could have you that could whole French cafe thing, and we can have yeah. waiters and striped shirts with berets and French bread. And Just going to film episodes of LOLO. <laughs> Spotlights with the accordion player. Spotlight. You know that guy. Oh <laughs> <my> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um, no, I actually think that sounds lovely. And they said, that's it. I can't get into too much de- detail because your faithful correspondent had a bicycle accident and fractured my left clavicle. Scapular. Is that how you pronounce it? Yep wing and posterior rib yikes oh typing one-handed does not allow for lengthy emails your game dudes love the <laughs> love the ama will Aww. send thoughts on tbtl at a later date okay so i am a notorious skimmer of things where i'll just kind of like read really quickly and sort of read at the end and i just saw that typing one hand does not allow for lengthy emails and i was like bob like ugh, like i don't want to hear about this <laughs> what a creep <laughs> My mind is bad, so but thank you, Bob. Oh, Bob! I hope you got lots of good drugs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Um, this is proof that none of us should do anything remotely. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
like bike around France or Italy yes. or something? Yeah. Yeah. He should be better at this. Um, John says librarian. Easy choice. No, oh, very yeah. good. Very cool. Um, you could be a librarian. I think. Well, I don't know. They don't get paid. No, much. that's true. Um, Libby says travel agent. I actually always think a travel agent would be fun, except when I worked at to me, not that this is the same thing, but selling luggage, it actually made me sort of more mad because people were going on trips that I was not going on. <laughs> and I, was sort of yeah, I don't think I would want to plan other people's trips. I do love planning trips, but I don't like dealing with um, people getting pissed about something. And you know that would happen, especially if you're dealing with rich people. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. I just don't know how sustainable travel agenting is these days yeah. with the advent of it, the internet and self-booking and stuff. With travel agent stuff, I think it's really only super rich people that do it now. Like, you know, I want to plan this extravagant trip and I don't have time to plan it or I don't know how the mm-hmm. resource or I don't know mm-hmm. where to even reach or like, right. I mean, what we've thought about doing <sighs> whenever we go to Disney with the kids, I think we'll probably outsource it a little bit because I think Disney has like travel agents that know, you know, know the best, whatever, all the minutia that goes into they know the best things to sell you yeah i know (laughs) i had some friends in dallas who used a travel agent and they were like wild about it because they would figure out like the best places to stay and then good restaurants nearby and like give them lists of stuff that they should do sure and it was take it or leave it it wasn't like here's your itinerary Mm. it was like here's some ideas and you didn't have to spend the time but they like she was like a doctor you know actually now that i'm thinking about it when my when we went to europe with my mom a couple of years ago we i think she did use a travel agent because we were going to like budapest and vienna now if i was if it was dave and me or whatever i wouldn't do it but you know she has more money than i do and i think she just wanted somebody else to kind of like put it together that knew the city a little bit better so Mm. i'm picturing your mom pulling out a triple a trip to (laughs) (laughs) i think there's probably value in um, travel agents. I mean, not that there's not value in travel agents for other things, but particularly for like group yes. traveling, yes, tour yeah. groups and things like that, where you have a whole bunch of people coming together that need to be wrangled. Yeah, for sure. Every every year, a choral conductor I grew up working well, I worked with in college, rather, he plans these choir trips to a different place in Europe, and he works with a travel agency. And every year, he sends me the brochure and says, "Hey, do you want to come this year to?" you know, Vienna or whatever. And it's like three grand a person. And you have to sing with all these choir people (laughs) uh, for like two weeks and do all your traveling and tourism stuff with them on buses. And I think to myself, I am running out of ways to say no, (laughs) but no, I want to go to Europe. I've never been to Europe, but I'm not doing it that way. Not like that. No, no. I think you can do it cheaper than for three grand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Yes, you can. Especially you. Mr. Hustle. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would get there on like a coupon in first class. (laughs) And how much is a Viking River cruise? (laughs) Uh, I am tempted. Our old neighbors in uh, on Mayfair Lane, they do all of them. Like they did two back to back with a week in the middle somewhere to like lay over between the two Viking River cruises. That's what it's like to be rich and classy, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And you're watching so Downton. You're watching Downton Abbey, and you're like, "Yes, this yes. speaks to me." 
Um, okay, Denny says, exactly what I'm doing right now. Well, good for you. Uh, cruising Facebook, brewing beer, reading books, reading the paper, routine housework, running, and listening to music. In other words, being retired. You that son of a nice. bitch. I know. I'm like, <laughs> fuck off. Um, I'm telling a lot of people to fuck off today. A lot of people. Like, not including our listeners. Like, a, a lot of other people, too. So, just It's not just you guys. Yeah. Yeah, Rory. <laughs> Uh, Gregory, design. If I if it weren't for billing, I'd still be doing it today. What does he that hates mean, billing so much. You mean charging customers? Charging people, yeah. yeah. Oh, dealing with like the billing and all that stuff. And yeah, invoices like and dealing with stuff. people who don't want to pay you. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, my father-in-law, R.I.P., was a very good attorney. I think he was not a fabulous business person. And I mean that by, like, the billing aspect of it. Because he was a single practice you know situation and you you need to that that i think that really sucks going after it's people probably like another part-time job that you have to do on top of your full-time mm-hmm. job and it sounds awful oh yeah no, and people constantly devaluing your work especially for like artists yeah they're like oh well i could have done this for five dollars yeah. well then do it do it then don't hire me um, Anne Louise says, writer of cozy mysteries. Oh, I love mm. that. You can do it, Anne Louise. Yeah. Off to the we side. We want you to. Yep. And I feel like you could do that too, honestly. Probably, but I don't have any good ideas. I know. Ugh. Ideas. Ooh, Anne my new cozy, ideas. my new cozy mystery series about a group of podcasters. Hmm. <laughs> And somebody is murdered, and then we have to go to one of our cities and find out. <laughs> Except that Steve Martin I know. and Martin Short are currently doing it. <laughs> I know. I was going to ah. say. I haven't watched it, but I, I really... I've heard good things about it, which... I have, too. I just started the first episode, well, a week ago, and then I haven't gotten back to it. Um, so, this is, like, only adjacent to me, but my really, really good friend, Maggie, from college... She was not on this trip, but she's one of my really good friends. Her cousin is married to Steve Martin. Um, mm. And her cousin, so I guess Tina Fey plays a part in this, like in the second mm-hmm. episode or something. And she has these assistants that look like her. Um, and <laughs> Anne, who is the cousin that is married to Steve Martin, is one of the assistants because she looks like shockingly like Tina Fey. Like actually oh. in real life, they, they style her to look like Tina Fey, but she actually really does look like Tina Fey in real life. When I think they, when they started dating, they've been married for a while now. When they started dating, they were like, is he dating Tina Fey? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tina anyway. Fey plays a character who is clearly a takeoff of Sarah Koenig. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So mm. I want to watch it. And I've heard um, Maggie told me that we call him Cousin Steve. Like, we're like, Cousin, what does Cousin Steve say? And they said, Cousin Steve said that Selena Gomez, he and Martin think that Selena Gomez is lovely. And I said, oh, good. I'm glad. Mm. Okay. And it- Steve Martin aside, <laughs> Sam texted me the other day. She is looking up excuses to come out to the Albany area. And like play tourist, and we're not far from Mass Mocha, which is this uh, sort of artsy, musicy venue place in northwestern Massachusetts. And she just texted me the other day and was like, "We could go to this, and it's the Fresh Grass Festival 2021, and it's a bluegrass festival." Oh, oh how would you wow. feel about that? Is, is is Steve Martin playing? Well, I don't think he's playing, but the Steve. Canyon Rangers are playing and that's the group that he famously sits in with yeah. from time to time. And so like 
My guess is that Steve Martin doesn't advertise that he's going to be there, but when he's bored, he just shows up and they say, yeah, sure, come, come play, play with, with us. us. Yeah, well. So I'm like, well, okay, on one hand, do I want to go to a bluegrass festival? And it's not an insult to bluegrass music. I just don't know it very well. Yeah, like, a lot of banjo. You know, well, right, exactly. Like uh, Bella Fleck touring the new album, My Bluegrass Heart. Like, I, I worked in coffee shops long enough to have a good sense of Bella Fleck, but I couldn't name a single Bella Fleck song. <laughs> Uh, and then I just, you know, they don't all sound the same, these bands, but they certainly all sound similar. <laughs> I just don't know if I've got three days of bluegrass in me. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, anyway. That sounds my Steve Martin. <laughs> all right, hold on. My, where is it? Oh. You can mark it if you want to just, that was easy. You could just cut it right out. <laughs> no, my thing, my thing just went, okay, there we go. Um, Kristen, my lovely sister says professional student or strangely a zoo worker. I hate the babies in captivity, but obsessed with most animals. She is obsessed with, um, what's the Fiona? The, um, oh, the, the hippo. hippo. She's adorable. Mm. Yeah, she's obsessed with she's obsessed with hippo. And I think I said this before, but Kristen is such a nerd. I mean, she's very smart. But I went to visit her in college when I was in seventh grade. And, you know, you get at the beginning of your semester, you get a syllabus with all of the stuff. And she would just, like, do it. She would just, like, do it at the beginning of the semester and would be done with, not done with school, but kind of, like, done with all of her major work. I'm like, you're such a nerd. Smart. <laughs> no. Why, are you, why aren't you procrastinating? That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I mean, um, I did that for my music theory yes, classes. Of course. I had the entire semester's worth of homework done after the first weekend. <laughs> you're like, and I'm done. Oh, gosh. Overachievers. That, that's a future show, man. We can commiserate <laughs> about our music theory classes because I took two years of theory and then said, what the hell am I doing in the music department? Um, Natasha says, the job I do coach high-level gymnastics the pay is not great there's zero insurance no vacation pay but luckily for me my husband is able to provide uh with his job the hours are long especially during competition season but it's so fulfilling seeing a kid achieve their dreams i can imagine doing something else even if uh, i can't imagine doing something else even if pay and insurance sometimes have me checking out job listings oh that's great that's very cool i mean i don't know whether to say like oh that's so great i'm glad you're living your dream or Oh, sounds fantastic. <laughs> sounds predatory. I mean, they should definitely pay you enough yes. and give you insurance and time off. But also, it's nice that you don't have to worry about that. Yes, stuff. exactly. Yeah. Um, Kalina says domestic violence counselor slash social worker or run an animal rescue. I think that nice. is a theme. What do you think would be emotionally tougher? <sighs> God. Oof. That's rough. I don't know. Uh, that's tough. Yeah, Kalina's it sounds like vets have a, a really, there. Yeah, vets have a really lo- a rough time. They have high rates of suicide. I Ooh, do. So. I remember being a kid and saying like, "Oh, I want to be a veterinarian. I love dogs." And then you know somebody telling me <laughs> what you have to do uh, as a vet. You're gonna have like, to. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Down yeah. a lot of dogs. Is that what you want?" I don't want to do that. And I, and you know, for humans or human doctors we have 600 bazillion specialties yes and for vets you have what like large animals and small animals (laughs) divisions no 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 you have cardiologists really i know yes don't wreck my joke meredith i know i just i have to say this because i i have had to take my animals to these people so i can't let it go (laughs) Uh, the horses in the waiting room waiting for the parrot to finish up. It's very... There was 
when I took Loki to the cardiologist, the waiting room was full of, of chemo patients on certain oh, days. God. Yikes. Yeah. And these are all animals, obviously. So it's cat. It's mostly cats and dogs, but uh, other stuff too. And so, and then Wonky has cataracts. <laughs> it's fine. She she's had them since she was born, and it doesn't cause her any problems. But I do have to get them checked out every once in a while. So she has an ophthalmologist. No kitty LASIK. No, surprisingly. Well, it doesn't cause her any issues. She has perfect vision. Yeah. So, wow, good for yeah. her. Yep. She's like Brad bragging. Much. I know. I'm I know, right? <laughs> I have perfect vision. She's 15, which is like a what f- a million in human years. So, I'm Gosh. I'm just glad that it isn't worse. I'm 35 and I had to get well, I need new glasses. I got new glasses this week, but I was too lazy to go get a new eye appointment, so they just my old prescription, but I wanted new glasses. Well, congratulations. Yeah. I know. Uh, keep squinting. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um Bet says, I would open an old school diner, everything from scratch, spinning dessert case, ruby red vinyl booths and bar stools, open 5 a.m. to 4 p.m., seven days a week, closed on Christmas and Mother's Day. Lots of fun, inviting neon signs, breakfast and lunch. Can't walk in the place without smelling bacon, coffee and fresh biscuits. I mean, I want to go there. Mm -hmm. And I know that Bet is very (laughs) talented. So I'm like, wait. Like, you should do this, Just actually. do it. I just bet if you could be a little more specific about what you're thinking. <laughs> I have no idea. I can't picture this at all. No. Put some thought into it, would you bet? No, oh, that sounds really good. Actually, that's sort of Dave's dream of opening a sort of breakfasty place. Um, but I have quickly vetoed it because I don't want to work in a restaurant. So um, <laughs> Julie says, I guess I'd retire and just volunteer at cat rescues or I'd act or do other work in live theater. Fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda says, I'd have a part-time job at a garden store or craft shop, just enough for a little routine and social interaction. I'd work on my hobbies, travel and volunteer the rest of the time. That actually sounds really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Joseph says, record comic book slash comic book store slash neighborhood pub owner and operator, organizer slash producer of open mics slash local music shows, podcaster, and actor in community theater. What a life. Wow. That's a lot. (laughs) You can be a podcaster now. Aren't we proving that? (laughs) I know. (laughs) You can do it. Um, And listener Ann says, honestly, what I do now with less stress about classes and events and somewhere south of six days a week, I own a yarn shop. Oh, we know, Anne. <laughs> We're aware. I follow you on Instagram. No, actually, though, it does seem kind of cool. But I imagine organizing events. There was one point in my life where I thought, oh, I could be an event organizer. But again, kind of like the travel agency thing, you're just dealing with people that are pissed all the time or they're just stressed out about something. And I don't want to deal it with It sounds that. like really hard work. And yeah. owning your own business is really hard, yes. too. That's the yeah. thing. You have to so love it. Because you have to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that yarn shop would burn down pretty quick, I bet. <laughs> Just if you wanted to be done with it, is what I'm saying. Very flammable stuff. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying you should do that or that you ever would do that or that your insurance company is listening to this. But I'm saying that if you decided it was time for a change. I mean, if it happened, it happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if you were on vacation and then. Someone with a lot of airline points was helping out. <laughs> oh, that'd be terrible. Uh, Megan says, my child- childhood ambition, ice cream flavor inventor, or something where I could just play around in the kitchen, <laughs> baking elaborate in flavor and design cake slash desserts. Uh, yes, please. Yeah. That sounds okay. cool. I mean, I couldn't do that. Anne could do it. I could not do it. Meredith could do it. Mm-hmm. I've had people tell me they would like to stake 
me in my bakery. Yeah, you know, they, that sounds like cake a baby. Vampire, and they're because you're a vampire. Me, yeah, they, they they would like to invest in my bakery, and I'm like, yeah. But there's a difference between doing things for fun and then having yeah. to make a living. Oh yeah, at it. for sure. Well, because you start to sort of hate it once you have to make a living mm-hmm. at it. Well, my mom has is told that all the time about her quilts because they really are fantastic. But she she would have to charge thousands of dollars for them because of the amount of work and material yep. that goes in and mostly the time. And no one's going to pay that for a quilt. And, and then she would feel like kind of obligated to do it. And it would kind of take some of the joy out of it. And she does it because she likes to see her friends' babies or grandbabies at this point on the quilts. And so that's her payment is a picture of the baby on the quilt. And that's worth it for her. Yeah. Yeah. And this way it's still fun. Um, okay. Where did I live? Oh, uh, Morgan. This made me like tear up a little bit. I don't know why. I just started my dream job today. I have had it before, but only uh, for a few weeks before weeks since March 13th, 2020. I'm a costumer, stitcher, slash firsthand, slash wardrobe. Right now, I am stitching from home for the Portland Opera. Mid-October, I'll even have insurance when I start back at my primary employer, the Oregon Ballet Theater. I don't know. I thought that was so cool. That's really nice. That is some low-key level bragging. Yeah. You're like, I have it. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) No, congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, The rest of us are uh, fittingly jealous. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Maggie says, I would open an art studio for all ages from preschool to geriatric. Then I would volunteer in an animal shelter and hold and walk the pets. Mm-hmm. Cute. Uh, Jessica says, I would help families navigate the special ed system. Dude, I wish that like you could do that and make a million dollars because. Yeah, you should make a million dollars God for that. bless you, Jessica. Yeah, yeah really. From what I've heard it is just, that's just a nightmare. Like it just is terrible. And yeah, you know, especially if you don't have the money to go private or have a private counselor or whatever, it would be really nice to have somebody who could be focused on it. And it wasn't overwhelmed and could just, you know, get the job done. Um, Rena says, I would start a podcast. You can with my mom, educating people and answering questions about employee rights. No one seems to know they have them. Um, I, Bobby, I, you were saying that you wanted to be in HR, which I actually think you would be good at. But the only problem with HR that I have is that they're always representing the company. And so it's like something that you can't always. That's true. Trust, you know, and that, and I didn't realize that until like way too late in my life where I was like, oh, HR is there to like help me. And they're like, no, they're just like helping. Mm-hmm. They're to protect the company, the company you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it would be nice to have, I guess it's like a union almost, but having sort of a employee advocate. I mean, I don't know what a union is. I live in Texas. I don't know what this is. I do not know <laughs> what this is. I've never heard of such a thing. I mean, it's a, it's a funding source problem, right? Mm-hmm. When the HR department is funded by the company yes. and, you know, yeah. necessarily their loyalty. And, you know, it's Andrea Ballard can yeah. definitely enlighten us on more of this because I don't see Andrea um, Being representing a, ho- a, yeah. a company yeah. over employees. So, but I think it's a hard system to deal with. Totally. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying, like, oh, yeah, it's not like HR people are like psycho or like they're just like, I love the company because they're not getting paid like a CEO or anything. But mm-hmm. it is that you have to straddle that line between wanting somebody to succeed or stay and supporting what the company, you know, mantra is. All I'll say is if you do an episode on HIPAA, I think we could all sponsor <laughs> it just, just to 
get that cleared up for people who feel like they're hippo violations. I just did a lot of hippo training again, so I'm up to speed. You're like, I'm well aware of hippo. I am very well aware. By the way, I said hippo on purpose, not on accident. Thank I knew you. Just spell it with two P's instead of two A's and I'll be equally mad. You can't ask that. That's hippo. Really? Okay, Marjorie Taylor Green. Not how it works. <laughs> not how it works at all. Oh goodness. All right. Anne, I'm throwing it all to right. you. Let's do it. Well, we are getting back on the road. Question mark. It's been a few weeks since our last movie spectacular show. As you'll recall, we were in Florida, then we went across those other states down there. <laughs> Mississippi, Alabama, <laughs> Louisiana. Then nice stop in Texas. And you know what's down in those areas? The space program. Mm -hmm. We passed it on the way home. Rory was like, NASA. (laughs) (laughs) And and I mean, everybody says, Houston, we have a problem. So obviously we're right in the neighborhood. And we thought it is getting progressively shittier on this planet. So let's just leave for a while. So we decided to watch some space themed movies. And we had to have a conversation about what constituted a space movie did it have to have the majority of the movie set in outer space or was it focused on space or whatever 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 so here we have some movies we picked to the best of our ability that we feel is a good representation of what we think of when we think about space movies i'm really sad that christy uh, is not here i mean talk about workers rights you take a couple of weeks off and you know, you got to make up that work somehow. I'm like, no, it's a vacation. You shouldn't have to make it up by working long hours and stuff. Yeah. But we're still going to talk about her movie. Yes. Because she picked a good one. She did. Yeah, because we watched it. <laughs> because we watched it. God <laughs> damn it, I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> so I think we're going chronologically. Yes. More or less. And we are grouping our scarrets and grouping our buseys. <laughs> so Just that like we can, God intended. We can talk about them in a comprehensive manner. So we're going to talk. Uh, start with uh, my movie from in June of 1986. When we decided on a space theme, I don't think it was even out of whoever's mouth that suggested it when I said space camp. My movie is space camp. <laughs> I think this was Gregory's idea. He really wanted us to do a space show while we were in either Florida or Texas. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So, yeah. Which is good. Um, so, Space Camp is about a group of young Americans in <laughs> the mid-1980s who go to Huntsville, Alabama to the space camp there, which I think opened in 1982 so it was only a couple of years old at this point and this movie really rocketed space camp to prom <laughs> rocketed to prominence <laughs> i think they said their applications doubled or tripled in the year yeah. after this movie sure. came out um so it was filmed in 1985 at the and same... then nothing happened until it came out in June of 86. <laughs> exactly. Well, mm-hmm. the other big movie that it was supposed to compete with was one, a small vehicle called Top Gun. But also mm. starring 
Tom Scarrett. Tom Scarrett. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Tom? It's the Scarrett verse. It actually had a bigger budget than Top Gun did. Wow. And um I think, you wouldn't know it. Yeah, I yeah. think Top Gun's budget was like fifteen million and Space Camps was eighteen million, and then Top Gun went on to make hundred and seventy six million dollars at the box office and space camp made less than 10 million Ooh. um all because of this unfortunate thing called the challenger disaster <laughs> yeah it was poor timing mm, for that do one. It. turns out when a space shuttle explodes that kind of damps people's enthusiasm for seeing people in space peril yes uh but 10 year old Anne did not really connect the space program and the Challenger accident in that way. And we were living in Switzerland. And so my mom would take us to this teeny tiny little store in downtown Zurich. That was the only uh, English language video store in the city. And she would only let us rent movies that were PG and G rated. And there wasn't a lot to choose from. And so I rented space camp more times than I could <laughs> possibly <laughs> tell you and was absolutely captivated by it now it helps that it is the best movie that was ever made <laughs> it truly <laughs> uh, i think true. we can all agree on that <laughs> up front <laughs> yeah. um and uh, the quick synopsis is it's this group of disparate teens who come together and they just can't work together at space camp they're fighting and getting in one another's way until the day when by some unfortunate coincidence of totally reasonable events they are launched into outer Jinx! space Jinx! <laughs> in the space the shuttle ding robot and then they have to learn how to work together and they do. to successfully pilot the shuttle back to earth mm-hmm. <laughs> um Wait, real quick. I have to say my like overall thing about space stuff is I like love watching space movies and they spectacularly stress me out because there's so many things going wrong. And like I know how it's going to end. Like it's not like I the, these are a bunch of children and teenagers. Like I know how what's going to happen, but I am very nervous the whole time. Like I kind of so had to look away. you think that they might actually just all get like sucked out into space and just die? Well, they're trying to get the o- I, okay. Having a lack of oxygen really freaks me out. So one, and two, having a child floating into space like really <laughs> scary. That's kind of why I really hate underwater movies. Yes, the it. space ones don't bother me, but like when people are drowning in a submarine, I just want to like curl up and die. Yes. Like, I really, really don't like that. Yeah. It freaks me out. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not capable of discussing this movie in any kind of critically objective way. I know that it's a stupid movie, but I have watched it so many times and it occupies such a special place in my heart that I am I am incapable of separating the good... I mean, I can see it. Come on. But I... I will not be offended at anything anybody says because I know this is dumb, but I still love it. I don't care. Well, um, I told Dave last night, I said, this really has a bevy of 80s babes in it. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, it's Leah Thompson, um, Kelly Preston. What's his face? I mean, River, uh, no, Joaquin Phoenix, little baby Joaquin Phoenix. Um, So pudgy. I know. Um, What's his face from... um, I know him best from Love, Love Potion number nine. Sadly, not the OC. Tate Donovan. Tate Donovan. Do you know who I wrote? I read they were considering for his role. Who? Steve Gutenberg. 
Oh, well, he might. He was the bit, other choice. I feel like he been too old, but uh, yep. yeah, I guess I could kind of see that because that's sort of a gooby guy. And mm-hmm. you are Catherine. Like you. Of course I am. You are mm-hmm. a Catherine. Like, of course I am. <laughs> I know. I was like, this is Anne. This is like, this is the primer to Anne like, <laughs> in the Absolutely. contact uh, parlance. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, but, but what's so silly is when they're like, Kelly Preston said, oh, like, you're pretty. And she's like, I'm not pretty. And I'm like, okay, but you're, oh like, objectively God. pretty. Like, you're She not- said something like, "I the boys want what I don't have. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you're, like, a little, like, peanut. Like, you're so cute. That's so obviously. cute. I mean, because she's not dressed in a Kelly garb. Preston's, yes. y- y- you know, giant Hillary hair, <laughs> yes, frankly. And and the spangly eye makeup and the creatively cropped T-shirts yes, and I the guess. 49 belts. Like, she's not doing 80s fashion. She's a, you know, a clean-cut American kid, yes, as Tom Skerritt says. Yes. yes. I, the, I actually really, I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I actually enjoyed it more than I was, like, ready to enjoy it. But um, I think the one thing that made me laugh was how, like unbothered NASA seemed to be about this. Like, they were, like, stressed, but not that stressed. And I'm yeah. Like, you have... The parents weren't there, <laughs> like, blowing up the building. And... Well, so there was that. And also, like, nobody... See- they made a big deal about how that the robot um, was very expensive and very advanced. And then this kid just steals it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and nobody I mean, cares? It's really... It's a story about two things. It's a classic boy and his weird robot story. Yeah. Classic. And it's also a story about how the white man is ultimately the one who should be in charge, regardless yes. of yes. whether Clearly. he yeah. wants to be or not. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Because he's the one who has the leadership potential. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just natural. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So they, yeah, they made this big deal about how the robot cost millions and millions of dollars, but they couldn't actually send him to space because his chips got unstable. Um, and then the kid fixes him with the screwdriver. <laughs> yeah, as you do. Or like a ten-year-old fixes him, and then the the robot has like human feelings yep. and desires, where it wants to have a friend, Best and so that's why forever. it launches them into space. Jinx and so Max re- friends yeah. re- forever on this episode of Tishi. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, I did. I actually did enjoy it I, again. It, I did too. It had it was the, silly the levels of stress that stressed me out. Oh, you know, one thing that I really wanted to, um, I mean, we'll, we'll go to this ranking the floating technology. <laughs> oh, um, that's a good thought. I know. Uh, so I actually, for 1986, I thought they did a decent job of it because I mean, what are the, um, you know, what, ILM, I don't think it's like fully functioning at this point. So it like, for a 1986 movie in a very soundstage kind of situation, I was like, okay, they did an okay job. Because I had just watched my movie, Contact, where they have one floating scene of um, John Hurt, and it is so dumb that I was mm-hmm. like, this is 1997. Your floating should be better than this at this point. Like, this is embarrassing that you're doing this. I mean, that scene was maybe kind of an afterthought. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's fine. I think they did a good job of like gently bobbing up and down and not showing the lower half of their bodies. Right. Well, and I loved how, I mean, I, 
I would be so scared if that happened. I guess they were really, you know, scared, but also excited. But how, especially Leah Thompson, like how excited she was to actually do it because she is the one that like truly, truly she loves was a big this. space geek. Yeah. 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 No, that was, and like looking around, I, I, I was thinking about it then and, and watching all of these movies, how much doing that comparison between drowning or floating in space and drowning is definitely more scary to me because just like having the lack of oxygen, like it freaks me out, but the just kind of like drifting into the net, like, like, bye, I'm off. There I go. That kind of also scares me. Well, I, I don't know. I think at some point, wouldn't you just take the helmet off? Yes. Cause then you'd be dead pretty quick. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. there you go. There you're done. Which is why you don't need a suicide pill in space, but don't tell <laughs> Jodie Foster that. Jodie yeah. Foster that. Well, she doesn't want to hear it anyway. Ellie Arroway does <laughs> not true. want to hear about that. Mm-mm. Also, Space Camp has, I think, one of the essential components of a space movie, which is a mission control cheering scene oh. at the end. Oh, there were yeah. so many of them, though. Uh, like, they did a lot of that in the smoking. Oh, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a, I mean, it's 1986. You could smoke oh, in like a Sparrow, so you could smoke in NASA. But the mission control smoking was just a very nice touch. I love it. Um, uh, it's it always gets me. I mean, we're not talking about Apollo thirteen, but like I could watch that scene right now and start crying. Like it always gets me when these old crusty men are crying. I'm like, yes, I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, so happy. I'm so happy. Anyway, I did. I I enjoyed it. It's very very silly, but it. Uh, Rory watched it for a second with me, and he's like, "There's cuss words in this," and I'm like, "It's so mm. funny to watch '80s movies because they throw out you know a shit often." Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They didn't care. No, they did not care at all. I mean, it's not gratuitous, but it is very much just a part of the parlance. It just wouldn't be yeah. a kid's movie no, today. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll I'll just end our discussion by saying that one of my very most prized possessions, I think it was a few, it was a few years ago. I don't remember if it was for my 40th birthday, that my brother Carl made me a replica Space Camp ID badge. Uh, for cool. Hideo Takamini, who was supposed to be on the blue team until oh, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. I, I mean, I can do the scene for you now. If you, uh, Hideo Takamini, Hideo Takamini, uh, it's pronounced Kevin Donaldson. I don't have a Donaldson. Well, you do now. So, and they're so, like, okay, sure. That's fine. Yeah. Come so on. They're never in. like, hmm, administrative mix up. Let's sort this out. They're all like, okay, I guess this guy with a different name is in this group now. I mean, we don't want to have a conversation about plot holes, do we? Um, what are you talking about? I just, science is solid. I just want to say um, on the. Um, on the scare it tip. Okay, so I was like, okay, Kate Capshaw is Andy, sort of the leader, and thank God she was there because otherwise those kids would be dead. But would like, totally right. dead, yeah. um, but Andy is, um, is married or in a relationship with Tom Scarrett. And I, well, first, I think Kate Capshaw is like, I don't know, she's probably like in her late 60s, I think. Tom Scarrett is really old. Like, he looks he good looks, in this movie. I know, but he's got gray hair and gray yeah. mustache. She's grizzled. You're totally mm-hmm. right. Like, Tom Skerritt was 55 for <laughs> 30 years. Totally she looks like she's 25. I know. And yeah. I looked him up. He was born. I, like, made my heart sink a little bit. He was born in 1933. I'm like, does anybody nice. have eyes on Tom Skerritt? Like, what's going on? I genuinely <laughs> thought that she was his daughter at first, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> 
TTS. I was out for dinner the other night, and The Natural was on on the TV. Mm, over someone's the bar. favorite. <laughs> exactly, and that's the same movie. That's what I think of when we think of the age differences. Oh, oh yeah, God, yes, so terrible. Yeah, it's really bad. They're like, you're an adult. You're an adult. Sure, fine. Let's put them together. Mm. I know. I was looking at the ages of Kelly Preston and um, and Leah Thomas. They're all all the kids or the the white kids, the older white kids are all roughly the same age. Like they were all born like the early sixties. So, wow. You know, I know age, man. Uh, that the music of this movie really out kicking its coverage. Uh, yes. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. I'm like, how they get John Williams? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. It was very dramatic. I'm trying to think. Maybe it was Kate Capshaw because I think they were married. Were they married yet? Oh, Kate. Kate Capshaw Spielberg. Yeah. You mean? Yes. Yeah. Were they? I don't know if they were married yet because I'm like, maybe she called in a favor. Maybe she asked Stevie to call in a favor. No, not until 1991. Oh. Did they get married? Oh, wow. But, but she was divorced from Robert Capshaw yeah. in 1980, according to Wikipedia. So who knows? Yeah. You know. Who knows? Where they were in their courtship. <laughs> um good movie all right let's let's quote unquote good movie (laughs) i enjoyed it and it's available on youtube streaming for free yeah for free and actually surprisingly in like a good resolution i was like yeah it wasn't somebody with a phone (laughs) pointing it at a screen and i only had one ad break yeah i didn't have any shockingly did not have any i don't know how that probably because rory's been watching too many like you know, card throwing games. So they're like, no, that we're a frequent user, but, um, um, well, let's move from one cinematic triumph to the next. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, Meredith, when you picked this movie, I was real disappointed because I had seen it in college and I was like, uh, to watch this again. Okay. But I have got so much to say about yes, this fucking yes, movie. Yeah. Holy crap. You guys, I could talk I've... for an hour and a half about this movie. I've never seen it, and I don't know who exactly talked me into this, but I need to have a word with them, because this is... your husband. Yeah, I think it was, too. And he has already apologized. Uh, This is Starship Troopers, 1997, directed by Paul Verhoeven. Um, Really, a movie made for a bunch of teenage boys, is what this is. (laughs) I I don't know what else to say about it. We kicked around. I mean, you were thinking about it, and we were suggesting, we thought, well, maybe Alien, well, maybe Apollo 13, and then we're like, nope, Starship Troopers. (laughs) Thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So, if you haven't seen this, um, Johnny Rico is a kid, like, high school student. These are all high school students. Sure he is. Um, yeah, sure he is. Sure he is. And uh, he's dating Denise Richards, who's also, like, being wooed by every other man on the planet, apparently. She looks like a the ba- hottest I mean, thing to come she's... out of Buenos Aires. <laughs> yeah, and they supposedly like okay. Buenos Aires. Okay, so though I'm going to insert the Buenos Aires thing. <laughs> it is all of this is. So I have had to see this now. When I first saw it, I was like, this is a dumb boy movie. And I still think it is a dumb boy movie because I don't enjoy it. But it is all just like a Nazi parallel because they're all supposed to be Nazis that are living in Buenos Aires. So it's like... This is supposed... Yeah. So the conceit is that like, okay, they're descended from like the Germans who went and and hid, right? And and I think, you know, the novel was was written as like a... Right wing. A right wing thing. And then the movie was supposed to be like a take up of that. Like this is... Not fascism is bad, 
But then let's also put Do- Doogie Hauser in an SS yes. <laughs> trench coat. Like, I do- Doogie Himmler over here is... <laughs> Did you know that they called him that on the set? Really? Yes, they what? called him Doogie Himmler on the set. <laughs> oh, I, to well. be fair, I just listened to the blank check it about fits. this, and they were like, that was like on the set. They all called him Doogie Himmler, That's which hilarious. actually that made me laugh a little it, bit. That I didn't, and when I saw him walk out in this in this coat, I was like, okay, SS, like what the <laughs> hell? Like, I don't understand. And he still so, looked like 19, like the least threatening yes. SS officer well, I've ever seen. And they all do. I don't understand. So they graduate from high school, and then they all go this group of kids all goes off into the military and the military is like glorified throughout the whole thing and there's all these propaganda like recruitment videos throughout that very much seem like army recruitment videos um and it seems like i don't i get a very poor sense of time from this and it seems like maybe a couple months later they're all like super high ranking (laughs) military people yeah um at least they don't look any older um so they, they they are kind of like um, inspired to serve because these bugs are this other like race, basically, of, of creatures and they have to fight against the bugs and the bugs somehow create a bomb or something that destroys all of Buenos Aires and kills Johnny's parents right before, right after he's like, I'm done with the military, I'm going to go home mm-hmm. and then his parents are dead and he's like, I'm going to kill the bugs. And so they dramatically rip up his resignation. Um, yeah, they do set off quite the convenient plot device, don't they? Yes, yeah. they sure do. Um, and then after that, it's literally just a whole bunch of like disgusting, yeah, it's really, really gross. violent, it's really nasty, gross. like comical violence um, <laughs> with like various colors of bug blood and lots and lots of people getting their limbs and yeah, it's really stuff gross. ripped off. It's disgusting. So like not even in You're a funny way. You're all talking way. like you didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's my new favorite movie. Um, Jake Busey is in it as an extremely hateable person, um, which he seems well, to play I mean, in every yes, movie. That's his, that's his niche. Yes. yes. His hateable Just bro. such a punchable face. Yep. Um, so, you know, um, I get, I can't say I'm glad I saw this. <laughs> it, was, I, it put me in a real bad mood. <laughs> you know, the only thing that has made me, um, when I when I listened to the blank check about it, JD Amato was the guest who is like a friend of um, the my brother, my brother and me. I think he like produced the my brother, my brother and me. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, um, and he is a big nerd about like um, film, like not films, but like. Um, visual effects and everything. So he was sort of explaining some of the stuff. And I was like, Oh, I still don't enjoy this movie, but like, I maybe mildly respect it. It's like one of those movies that I'm like, I'm never going to watch this again. Like I, the first time I saw it, weirdly, it was when I went to Paris and we were jet lagged and we turned on the TV (laughs) and they had it with like French subtitles on. And I was like, okay, I guess we're watching this now. And I'm like, this movie is disgusting. And like, I don't like any of the actors are all like dumb, you know, Barbie doll actors, uh, Barbie and Ken actors. But then when I was listening to them, I was like, okay, like, you know, there's parts of it. I'm like, I get it. Like it's supposed to be this sort of, you know, Paul Verhoeven is, is from, I think he's Dutch and he is, he, well, and he grew up in, in Nazi occupied Netherlands. So so I'm like, I get it. And he's trying to take a spin on this right wing plan. And he, he directly, um, you know, lifts 
um, some of the propaganda from like Triumph of the Will. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I get, I get it. Like, it's one of those things where I'm like, I get it. I get it. Satire. But I it, get it doesn't come across. I know. I know. Really. I know. And it, yes. the audience is not, the intended audience yes. is not going to get, get that. that. Yes, yeah, exactly. Think. Exactly. Is it effective satire if I can't tell that it's satire? Yeah. If I had like, to there lose- is. You can sort of see it in the propaganda videos, yes. which are done with that like very 1940s yeah. type voiceover and stuff. You're like, ha, 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 ha. But then when they go into the actual scenes, it's like the actors didn't realize yes. that they weren't supposed to take it seriously. I don't and know. I think that's like why he hired them, basically. So they like I, apparently he hired like people that were actually... Not good actors, with the exception of <laughs> Neil, Pat- Neil Patrick Harris. Like, he's the good only person. Good move. Yeah. I still think, though, he doesn't do a great job here. He's yes. still very much closer to Doogie yes. on the spectrum, yes. spectrum yes. than to Barney Simpson. Yes. Although Stinson I'm glad here. he didn't get his arms ripped off, I guess. The only, like, funny-ish line where, like, one guy is, like, being in the infantry or whatever he says, made me the man I am today. And he has, like, no legs and, like, yeah. no, <laughs> no arm. <laughs> Um, I now, mean, I think Michael Ironside is the only actor in this entire movie who yes. actually knows what, what movie he's in, yes. like, yeah. what he's doing. Yes. Yes. He's great. Yes. He yes. gives just the right kind of performance. But I, my note here is <laughs> Casper Van Dien is barely convincing as a human being. <laughs> yeah, he really is. <laughs> he really, he looks like a doll. He does look like a Ken doll. He's a walking it's like, Ken He's doll. like too symmetrical that it makes it like like um what is it called like in the polar express like um uncanny valley so you're yeah like, mm-hmm. he's impossibly square jawed yes. yes yes and the idea that he is 18 is hilarious ridiculous yes. yeah i i think he must have been like full 30 mm-hmm. there's yeah i think there's he a, was yeah i think he might have been 31 i looked all this up of course but now of i course. don't remember i got a real kick out of the fact that at the, it's this is supposed to be in the future at least what, like a hundred years from now, and they have like flying cars, but they make gas engine noises. <laughs> <laughs> like we haven't gotten past the combustion engine, but we do have flying cars. I love that they, they can't ever forget, figure that out. They're like, I guess. I know. And that they have to check their grades on a big public screen. They don't have phones. <laughs> I was very confused. I thought if you were in the future, would you fight a modern space war with infantry? No. It just doesn't seem like that's i mean i guess we tried in afghanistan and that didn't work but i don't know also they're fighting against bugs give them birth control pills (laughs) also their their battle uniforms had short sleeve (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts well how else are you gonna see their guns exactly (laughs) and there's a scene where one guy has to put another guy out of his misery and he shoots him in the chest through his armor (laughs) yeah which I just couldn't believe. <laughs> uh, speaking of seeing things, Sam and I watched this together, and we have both seen this movie before, and I, I'm i not going to say I like it. I'm going to say I'm familiar I love with it. how ridiculous it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is a top five movie for yeah, me. absolutely. Now, um, we were both watched it before, but I think it's the first time we had watched it in a long time, not the TV version. Yes. And so the casual co-ed locker room shower scene caught us off guard. It's so annoying, too. There's, like, a lot of boobs, but, like, no A dick. lot of boobs. No dick. Yeah. They, like, yeah. don't... They they do the sort of, like, Austin Powers-y thing where they, like, 
mm-hmm. or covering always up. hiding behind yeah. a right. thing yeah they the, if you haven't seen it they all like the co-ed showers and bunks for some reason where it's everybody so just showers in a big room yes, it's <laughs> they're very, so enlightened it's very post-gender except it's all heteronormative relationship yes, drama yeah, yes yeah. exactly and these people all act like just the worst kind of like frat yes. boy and girl yeah. like they just act like such little assholes I hated all of them. Yeah. No, yeah. they were terrible. Well, I mean, they're Nazis, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the okay. only person I had any kind of sympathy for in that main group of kids was Diz. Yes. Because I felt like she got shafted over and over again. Yeah. She was so in love with Johnny. She has she curly hair. And then she I, literally she... got shafted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she did everything for him, including, like, allowing him to take the credit for her own decisions and her own insights so that he could become commander of the unit or whatever when Mm -hmm. she would have been 10 times a better leader than he would have been and then they have sex and then she dies a spoiler (laughs) plus she was dating doogie hauser and and he turns out to be gay so it's probably her fault (laughs) (laughs) oh god well i know paul verhoeven is like just he is just a you know i i know some people love robocop it's this is a la RoboCop. I feel like as far as just this horrific violence to prove a point, and it is just not a movie for it's me. It's so gross. Yeah, it's not for me. But it's interesting. Um, I don't know. Well, maybe maybe if we talk about um, the special effects, we go from the brilliance of Space Camp to <laughs> the brilliance of Starship Troopers. Actually, I thought the CGI on the bugs. Yeah showed like they put a lot of work they into did. it yeah. mm-hmm. but yeah. the scenes in space like in the cockpit of the and why did denise richards go from piloting the giant like star cruiser to then all of a sudden she was piloting shuttles i don't know but anyway when they were in the cockpits of the starship it looked like a star wars disney ride yeah you yeah, know it did like yeah. star it a tv Tours. screen in front it of was them. so bad yeah uh. yep I do. I will always fondly remember watching it in the Best Western on the left bank of <laughs> <laughs> my first night in Paris. Well, so here's one question that I thought of that I would like to pose to you all. Who should have played Johnny Rico instead of Casper Van Dien? I was like, mm. okay, how old was Brad Pitt then? Unfortunately, mm. he was 35, so he was even older than Casper Oh, he would have been fine. But like, he would <laughs> I mean- have made something out of that role, don't you think? Yeah. yeah, like who who could have done that mm, in, in 1997? Been like a non-block of wood who like I could have bought into as a hero and sort of gotten invested in the movie. I guess Tom Hanks was busy. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe a Matt Damon. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Did you guys catch that Rue McClanahan was yes. the biology teacher? Yes. Love it. What was that? Weird. <laughs> So weird. Dutch people are weird. I'm telling hey. you, they are. No offense. Hey. <laughs> True. Uh, oh, okay. you want to know what I saw in the credits? There was a listing for Jake Busey's violin teacher. What? Apparently, he took violin <laughs> lessons to play that electric space violin. Wow, he's really he's a committed. method actor. Yeah. I mean, considering that I don't know whether he actually touched the bow to the strings. I think that was money poorly spent. Yeah. Oh. Maybe he's still playing. You never know. 
he's like professional now. Maybe. I'm still trying to think of who should have played John. Me too. Um, but there was somebody that was in my brain. Christian Slater would have been too old. I don't know why that came to my brain, though. Um, like, I can't remember who was hot back in 97 that was about the right age. Yeah. Leo? Why... Leo, but he was like almost two. That was the year that Titanic came too, out. like, yeah. He had already been in Romeo and Juliet. Romeo plus Juliet. He wasn't like action no, star. No, no, he's not point. BPNF. No. Mm. <laughs> that should be our question of the week. Who should question have played? Who should have played? <laughs> I mean, could we have gone for someone like speaking of Romeo plus Juliet, or as the official title is like William Shakespeare's Shakespeare Romeo and Juliet? Like, no shit, dude. <laughs> who else? Who else? Romeo and Juliet would it have been? But what about if you pick someone like John Leguizamo? Yeah, then yeah. you actually get somebody who's Latino. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would have made sense. And I'm he's funny. At- I'm looking at actors based on their birth year, and I'm thinking, so if we wanted someone in 97, so film 96, who who is actually sort of almost an appropriate age, so maybe around 20, uh, let's see, Zach Braff, born in no. 1975. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, let's see, who else here we got? Uh, oh, well, Casey Affleck, we could get the second nope. Affleck. Nope. No. Nope. Uh, Dak Shepard. God, he looks just like Zach Braff. I, they all do. This <laughs> yeah. But he might have gotten it. Yeah. The kind of mm-hmm. jokiness of it, plus mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. a slightly better actor. Yeah. Bradley Cooper, born 1975. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's my fave. But he had, he it took a while for him to break yeah. big. Yeah. Because I watched him on all those seasons of Alias. Yes. And he was the best thing about it. God, he's so cute. Mm-hmm. He was in a show called I Want to Marry Ryan Banks that was like a lifetime, um, like, not even a miniseries, just like a lifetime movie. And it was so corny, but I remember being like, who is that? He is hot. And I was right. (laughs) Yep. You certainly were. (laughs) All right. Should we move on to the next one? Yeah, let's move on. I realized that I kind of got a little out of order with my, uh, Scarrett and Busey. Oh, listen. So this one is just the culmination. Um, wait, Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Oh, Brendan Fraser, <gasps> yeah. Ooh. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The mummy returns in space. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to be thinking about this for the rest. I'll just chime in with just acronyms for the rest of the like, episode. what? <laughs> um, uh, but Hillary, you picked this almost as quickly as I picked Space I King, did. So you, it was a strong choice. Okay, so my movie is also from 1997. It is the movie by Robert Zemeckis called Contact. Um Contact is a movie that I once upon a time sat down on the beach in Myrtle Beach with my college roommate and told her the plot of Contact for about two hours. So I will not be doing that. (laughs) I know. She was like, I don't want to watch it. Tell me what happened. And I was like, how I always tell movie like plots of movies, which is not great. I'm like, wait a second. No, wait, but wait, hold on. Back it up real quick, because then, no. So, anyway, the contact... 35 minutes of that was you just beeping out prime numbers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, it is a movie um, with um, about Eleanor Arroway, Jodie Foster. Um, it's based on the book by Carl Sagan, which I have heard that the book is quite different. I have not read it. Have any of y'all read it? Mm-mm. I haven't read it. I don't it. think so. Um, and, um, yes, Jodie Foster plays Eleanor Arroway, Ellie, and um, she is uh, an astronomer who is interested in SETI, the search for intelli- – what is it? It's, I should know that. Uh, 
intelli- search for extraterrestrial intelligence. intelligence. That's right. That's right. Um, and so it's just sort of tracking her journey into like, <laughs> I feel like the first mm, 40, this movie is long, but this first like 45 minutes to an hour is her like getting funded then defunded from every single like step of her trying to figure out if there's intelligent life out there. Um, it does start when she's young and uh, Jenna Malone is the young Ellie and she has very close with her dad and her dad is sort of trying to train her to be interested in, you know, the stars and the planets and all of that. And he dies um, kind of suddenly, I think from like a heart attack kind of situation. So she's on her own and sets off to, you know, discover intelligent life. And she goes to Puerto Rico um, and is listening to stuff. And she meets one of my favorite character actors, William Fickner. Um, he's so good in this he's movie. He's so good. Oh, I love him. When he comes to Japan at the end, oh, it makes me cry. Um, but she also meets a young Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> um, okay, so what I'm going to say about this movie, I'm not going to go through a plot by plot because it's way too long and it's just, it's just complicated. Too, it's yeah. too much stuff. What I'm going to say is my feelings about this movie are when I first saw it, I was like, that movie is corny as hell. That was dumb. Now, it has stuck with me like my whole life. There are parts of it that I will think about, meaning like the sound of Vega coming through and communicating with Earth I, it is very striking to me. Like I, it just has always stuck with it's me. It's kind of scary. It's super scary, but like so thrilling and exciting. And yeah. when, <laughs> when like the White House and more political people are involved in, you know, being there and discovering that it's not just sound, it's visual and it's also audio. Um, and when they find out that it was, they're sending, transmitting the 1936 opening of the Olympic games, which is Hitler, Hitler, you know, saying his speech. Okay. James Woods is a terrible person like IRL. He's awful. I think he's so great as a foil. And when he says like, (laughs) okay, when they show Hitler on the screen, I'm like, yes, this is when it's getting started. I love when this starts (laughs) getting started. But James Woods is a terrible person in real life. And he does a very good job of playing a a terrible terrible person person in this movie. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It is very weird. But I think this movie has such big highs and big lows. Like this... I don't know how accurate it is, but some of the science stuff I think is really fun and cool. And some of the personal stuff I think is so fucking corny that I like almost have to avert my eyes, such Mm -hmm. as Matthew McConaughey as Palmer Joss. Um, Okay. One of the worst character names. Oh, it's ever. Yeah. So dumb. Also also like a very bad casting choice. So bad. And I, okay. Like I know that this doesn't have anything to do with anything, but Jodie Foster is a, gay woman or you know as far as i know that doesn't matter they have zero chemistry Mm -mm. like they yeah i could not believe that they just jumped into bed together it was like no there is no i mean he's like i'm a horny priest basically but like they have (laughs) no chemistry he's he's into her she's just kind of like i want to bone down but then i'm like done and he's right and you can tell they cast him for that first 15 seconds of that first scene yes. where yes. you think that he's just some sort of beach bummy right. like hot dude that she runs into and then he's like no i am a, a <laughs> i don't priest. buy him as a religious <laughs> man i don't at buy all. him as an author no and i don't buy nope. him as a religious figure no as at all. anybody who would be invited to the white house no nope so, like, yeah, that part of it. Okay. I like Tom Scared as her foil, obviously, because 
you know, I, I do think that you probably would be confronted with the bureaucracy of dealing with stuff. And like, honestly, oh, sure. he's kind of right sometimes where he's like, we're not going to waste money doing this, but he's also a bastard right. at the end. But, but what makes him the villain is that once she's proven to be correct and then it's not a waste of money, he immediately steps in and takes all the credit. Takes mm-hmm. all the credit. Yeah. <laughs> God. I know when he he's says, very hateful. when he says yeah. next slide, Ellie, I'm like, no, <laughs> she's not it's your her secretary. <laughs> um, um, what I like though, is I, I like all the technical talk, even though I don't know if any of it is real. And a lot of it is very late nineties, like all of the nineties technology, the faxes, the, Oh, I love that stuff so much. The, <laughs> the um, monitors for the computers. Yeah. You're like, yes, yes, yes. I think all of that is really fun. And I think, okay, so this was the movie right after Forrest Gump for Robert Zemeckis. So, like, in the parlance of the, of you know, the podcast I listened to, this was his blank check. Like, he could do fucking anything. He had made Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3. He had made Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He had made, named, made Forrest Gump. It's like, he can do whatever he wants. So he made this very, like big movie with lots of you know special effects and everything and he just pats it with this dumb shit like all the cnn stuff which is so corny and all of the jay leno obligatory jay leno skit he was he was forrest gumping all over this was using historical footage and you know inserting tom scarrett sitting next to bill clinton (laughs) you don't know that it's this era without the obligatory jay leno (laughs) yeah and the larry king King interview am i watching primary colors maybe but um (laughs) no and and even see it also bothers me because the part where they show bill clinton talking about oh we made this discovery well he's talking about mars rover and they do Mm -hmm. he did that outside and they do such a shitty job that he's supposed to be inside in the movie but you can see the sunlight like on his face and i'm like this isn't even a good version edited him back inside yeah Yeah, exactly now i those are the kinds of things like I can watch this movie and get kind of taken away from it. But then the Roberts of meckiness of it gets like annoys me so much. Well, you just answered a really good question for me because my very first note on this is how did this movie get made? It, that's And it, it only makes sense if it's his blank mm-hmm. check yes. because it is a movie that is stuffed so full of ideas mm-hmm. and it's sort of a meditation on science versus religion, which I think is really interesting to think about in this day and age. Yes. Uh, because we're still doing <laughs> it. We're still grappling with that. Doing it worse. <laughs> but um, it it's super long yes. and it's sort of weird and I could not figure out how anybody would have the juice to get this done but well, yeah apparently he was gold it, yeah no he was i mean he could do whatever he want i it had but since it had been written i think that it had gone through they kept trying to make it somehow somehow and i think george miller was one of the people that was going to direct it and Ooh. yeah which would have been probably more interesting and a little bit more lean um now i think I think that the, yes, I, I, well, one, I did learn from this movie what Occam's Razor is. I will fully credit this. (laughs) (laughs) Because the way they explain it is not correct. (laughs) Well, I learned of the concept at least, or like the term. I don't think, I don't think that the precept of Occam's Razor was well known in public consciousness before this movie. So definitely it did popularize it. It just popularized it incorrectly. (laughs) Yeah. That'll happen. Uh, It's a lot more specific than the way they explain it yes Um, can we talk about that um 
that mirror yes it's seen it is that's crazy it is really cool and i had never noticed it before because it's like pretty subtle and it's not in a part that's like the sciencey part of it we all. had to so gregory knew about it i had never heard about it and we had to watch it he rewound it for me like five or six times before i figured out what what was going on yeah no so she her her she, this is a flashback to when she's a little kid and her father has collapsed and she's running up the stairs to get his heart medicine or something. And the way they film it, it, it seems like you're following her up the stairs and she's running towards you. And then when she gets to the bathroom vanity, she pulls open the door and it's revealed that they've been filming this as a reflection in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. It's, it's really trippy. And it's so funny because like I said previously, the the shots of John Hurt, who is John Hurt always makes like he makes me feel things like in, in creepy ways. I mean, like he does such an excellent job of being kind of like menacing in this weird way. Like, I guess he's essentially good, but like he's just kind of, uh, you know, you give like chills from him. <laughs> he's a good I'm dead dad. <laughs> 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 when he's like want to take a ride that always yeah. scares me like the way that he says it scares me for some reason but um yeah but his floating technology is not great yeah <laughs> on mirror or whatever um no i it's it's one of those movies i remember my parents saw it and they were like that movie was terrible and i don't mean that they, they it wasn't like they just thought it was bad they just thought it was really corny and it is very obvious in a lot of ways but i don't i don't I, I do, I get both creeped out and when she's going through the wormholes and her face is doing the split thing, it both creeps me out and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool though, you know, just oh, yeah. as one of those. And her face becomes um, the young face of her. I don't know. It it gives me bad feelings, but I also like watching it. <laughs> I mean, visually it's such an interesting film that it really sticks with you. I think maybe more than what it's trying to say should allow it. Like yes. it's a movie that's, based on the rightness of science until it settles on hokey mysticism yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. and the limits of science and how science is just belief. Yes. And I'm like, no, no, it's it, not. It, no, yeah. it's, it's not. It's more than just the it's same not. kind of faith. No, <laughs> that is the frustrating thing where at the end she basically had to admit that like, yeah, you guys were right. Like I, you have to base it stuff on faith, which is annoying because mm-hmm. you don't have to base stuff on faith. Not observable facts, you don't. No. Science <sighs> is a process, not a discipline. Belief system. S- sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, you don't have to... I don't know. <laughs> I think <laughs> there's a 0% chance that she would be chosen oh, to absolutely not. be the person who went. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. if Tom Scarrett was not in the picture. Yeah. There's no way. No way. There's no way. She's not an astronaut. Well, that's what right. I kept thinking. She's not an astronaut. I mean, it like, make congratulations sense. that you you found this out. Like, you should be given, you know, a medal or whatever for discovering this and being the one that really pushed this. But you're not going into space. That's not happening. No. They should have sent a poet. <laughs> <laughs> that really needs to be the title of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh... It's so corny. Um, but wait, some honorable mentions. Uh, as previously mentioned, <laughs> Jake Busey with an incredibly subtle performance. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> as usual. <laughs> Killing Tom the Skerritt. Only, the, the only performances that Jake Busey works for me in, as much as he works for any 
thing for me uh, are things that play off his sort of hyper kinetic yes qualities so a role where he's just plays this like dead-eyed stone silent <laughs> i i don't know drugged out <laughs> yes. religious mm-hmm. person it's just it's just icky and i guess i suppose he's supposed, he's to, supposed be icky, to be i mean but... he, he plays a good hateful person yeah good job <laughs> yeah oh god no he's and it, i remember actually when this came out they, this is so Zemeckis it was right when that and they mention it and I'm like they must shoehorn this in at the last minute the um the those um cult murders or whatever suicides Mm, in in San Diego or wherever where they thought they and the guy looked kind of like John Hurt like he had the apple white or something I think was his name and they all wore Nikes and like went to sleep <laughs> they they shoehorned it in they're like yes perfect time heaven's heaven's game, game. Heaven's yes gate. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh, good. oh yeah and also i forgot rob lowe is in this as <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> the christian right right wing yeah. As, yeah. as ralph reed yes ralph essentially reed. yes uh he even the, really looks like him yeah he does in the credits rob lowe and jake Busey share a credit title <laughs> card like they're buried they're past the main cast and then when they're doing the second tier people the two of their names share a card with no one else makes sense um my final note on this is um angela bassett playing the role of like annoyed um, white house i don't know aide or whatever but i do love the line where she's like what i find interesting i don't know i just like the way she says it (laughs) i've seen this movie a lot of i liked her character (laughs) but it's funny because if you look at her face like done with in repose she's always annoyed about something yes like (laughs) God, I hate these people. (laughs) These idiots she has to deal with. Uh, My final observation is in that fancy White House do or whatever they go to. Yes. Jodie Foster's dress is so fucking gorgeous. I love it. It is very, um, like, I feel like it's a nod to the fact that Jane Austen movies were so popular at the time because it has that Jane Austen cut. It does. Her boobs Mm -hmm. are sort of billowing out. Her bodice, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's and she's and her eyes are so pretty, and they really mm-hmm. like play up her eyes and her bosom in that. In that I moment. had a hard time believing a serious scientist like that would know how to do her hair, but whatever. That's just because I don't Angela know how to Bassett do my hair. Got it, <laughs> Angela got her hooked up. <laughs> yeah, she did. That must, yeah. Yeah. yeah, really presentable. I mean, I guess we should. We haven't talked about Jodie Foster's performance in this at all, and one of the reasons that I love her is that she is believable as a smart person totally yes well, well i could see her being an astronomer unlike as i have mentioned denise richards in that bond movie as christmas the, you know nuclear <laughs> physicist it's not it's actually and then in the saint elizabeth shoe also played a nuclear physicist who wore like knee-high um socks and plaid schoolgirl skirts and i was like no mm-hmm. no it's I mean, obviously, Jodie Foster is actually a really smart person, but then there's intelligence that which is different from is looking like a scientist. Like there's yeah. smart people and then there's scientists, I guess. Well, and I like that the way they styled her, too, where it was like like she's not wearing knee highs besides that party where she's wearing a, you know, a, a hot dress. Mostly like when you see her trying to go, you know, ask for money, she's wearing just boring 
asking for money outfits, yeah. you know, Which just like wearing office wear. And real. Uh, otherwise yeah. she's wearing like shorts and a t-shirt. Like it just looks, yeah, it looks mm-hmm. exactly yeah, how somebody. Yeah, because she's practical and she's out in the field and she's in New Mexico or she's in wherever. In Puerto Rico. And she's like Central pulling America. her hair back into a hair tie because yeah. she wants to, you know, get it out of her face kind of thing. Yeah. No, I agree. That's, that's the part that always plays really well with me in this movie is that, I mean, she does not pair well with, with Matthew, but she does pair well with I mean she pairs better with like David she Morris, was a good casting for God's sakes I mean her, who's supposed to be her dad like she she does better with the alien dad than she does with uh, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey <laughs> what uh, do we think about Timothy Oliphant for our uh... oh Meredith oh. our casting Meredith I, I was just like thinking it. Meredith he's I'm not in this movie this. <laughs> and then I was like <laughs> I'm going back I know to... I got you <laughs> That's a good one. That's a That's really good excellent. one. Excellent. Yeah. I would see that movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know that if you Google 1997 and then you get screenshots from Scream 2, mm. there's some crazy eyes. Oh, he's so hot, though. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter. He can be in every movie. <laughs> he can turn the crazy eyes on yes. and off at will. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have anything else you need to say about contact? Or are we good for now? I mean, if y'all want to go to a beach, I mean, it's not Pensacola. It's Myrtle Beach. We can go there, sit down on the beach, and I can talk more about that. <laughs> but I won't do that. <laughs> I promise I won't. I enjoyed it. it was yeah. not, I saw it when it came out, but I and I hadn't seen it since. But I really enjoyed it. Listen, Robert Zemeckis can make an entertaining movie. It's too long. And yeah. I, have, I have rewatched Forrest Gump recently. And that movie is, I have a lot to Way, say about that movie. Yeah. Um, but it is an entertaining movie. And mm-hmm. he can do that. Now, he hasn't done that right. in a while. But he could do that at some point in his life. Sure. And and what would you cut out of Contact? Well, I would cu- See, it's hard because I want to cut out the Matthew McConaughey thing. But that's the whole reason why she doesn't go to... Um, why she doesn't go to space? Why she's not selected the first, the first time? time. Mm-hmm. Which is a shitty fuck him. Well, and it, yeah, oh, totally. Oh. But if, if you're setting up a, a movie that is a, a sort of a tension between religious and science, yeah, you have to you have, have to have the you religious have have guy. The, yeah, I mean, so the full like the the full middle part when they're just not middle. I mean, I guess it's after the first forty five minutes when they're discovering everything. Like that part is very kinetic and exciting to me. It's sort of the mm-hmm. very beginning and kind of the end that drag for me. That I'm like mm-hmm. not whole sections, but like scenes don't have to be so long. Like you can kind of cut, cut, cut a little bit. Like you could cut the wormhole sequence yes. a bit shorter. Yes. Is what you're she saying. really mm-hmm. went through a lot of wormholes a whole bunch of times. <laughs> Yeah, I like I really like the, you know, when the um, pod sort of melts on or whatever, when it changes texture. I think that part is really cool. But yes, there's many, many wormholes. And that scene at the end is very long. And the whole trial scene is kind of long. I mean, there's just parts that I just would cut snippets of. It's not whole scenes, but would. And maybe the part where William Fickner has, says, like, I'm leaving, I'm going. I get why they do that. But again, I'm like, I, I don't need all of this. I need to just, like, let's cut to the chase. I want to hear the mm-hmm. Vegas sound. I'm always just excited <laughs> about the Vegas sound. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. It's scary. It womp, womp, womp. Math is the universal language. I like that. I liked that numbers part. are numbers that can are only divisible by itself. And <laughs> I I'm know. Like, yeah. Who doesn't Thank know what the fuck a prime number is? <laughs> and also, yeah, I know. I'm like these people essentially went to college. Like I would hope that they would know. Like my children yeah, basically know what a prime number hope. is. So I hope these people know what it is. All right. Well, I'm not sure how to transition into the the next 
offering. So, Bobby, you do it. <laughs> yeah, all right. So uh, this one, you know, is a little bit different than the others. You, you might not be aware. It came out of a little um, production company called Pixar. Never heard of it. What? Which is a division of uh, Walt Disney Pictures. <laughs> Never Weird heard of it. Um, speaking of Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, that's a little delayed. Uh, this is Wally, and Yay. I forget how we landed on Wally specifically, but it had been in my mind as we were talking about space movies. Um, I, I haven't seen, I've seen a lot of the Pixar movies, I, I guess. I don't know if I've seen, I don't know if I've seen a lot of them, but they're good. They've always been good. Everyone knows they're good. And Wally is probably, well, I think Wally was one of the great early ish ones, right? Like it was one of the ones that was like, hey, these movies can actually be surprisingly palatable for more than just children mm -hmm. and uh it's pretty easy to digest uh, america has uh lost its way and in this case it's all the whole planet earth is america basically yeah. and uh it is so littered with garbage and crap that the that one global giant that sells us everything whatever company <laughs> that could be <laughs> and has fleets of transportation hubs and <laughs> Uh, uh, sells an alternative to the garbage-filled, gross, terrible Earth, and that is to go up in space while we clean it all up, and then we'll bring you back. And, of course, then they give up on cleaning it all up, and they're just in space for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, uh, the cast is interesting because it's like the Pixar people, like the voice people for the robots, for Wally the robot, and for for uh, the other you know electronic stuff, Eve, the uh, plant-searching robot, uh, but then Jeff Garland and Fred Willard. <laughs> Live action Fred yeah. Willard. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Um, and Sigourney Weaver is the computer, which is just such a great twist. Well, and she she goes on. To, she's like, um, Pixar uses her a lot because she's the voice in Finding Dory, I think, as well. Like the voice of okay. the, I don't know, the announcer voice. Kind of the same mm. deal. Yeah. And yet, for the autopilot, they just use the thing where you type text into a computer and make it speak. Yes. I thought yeah. that was good. Yeah. It was good, but just, you know. Uh, I don't know what to say about Wally, -E, really, other than it's a charming story about yet another robot that has feelings and doesn't do its job particularly well, um, but sustains itself exceptionally well. Uh, and uh, this quest to. Uh, find your way again when all of these super fat humans floating around in the future equivalent of Rascal Scooters realizes there's a world beyond being fed by robots. I was a little bit... Um, how do I want to say this? It seemed kind of fat-phobic. Uh, 100%. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Very was, much so. Well, because it was pairing, it was pairing fatness with laziness. Right, yep. exactly. Yeah. It's, it's using it as shorthand for... Like, look at for, these fools. All they want to do is Who eat. never... Who can't even walk anymore. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is definitely seemed like a very 2008 thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, yep. there's some interesting stuff to be said, and they sort of passingly mention the idea of decreased bone density, blah, 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 blah. But these people are... Fat. Yeah, they have like okay. no, yeah. they have no necks. Like they're just like yeah. heads on top. They, well, they have no legs yeah. either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, they are they stuppies. are feed. I mean, they are they are like pigs being raised to slaughter. I mean, yeah. they are just fattened by this. I mean, because they've been put in an environment where 
instant pleasure is the only thing there so that they will enjoy the facade of happiness. And so I don't even know if it's, it's fat shaming for us as the audience, but like none of them think anyone is fat because everyone is fat. Right. So that's just the status quo in that universe. Who's paying for this? If none of them work. Well, I, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I don't know if that's, Another Tell big me, plot Bobby. hole Tell that me. we shouldn't get into. <laughs> it's part of it's, your Amazon Prime subscription. Exactly. It's the future. It doesn't matter. Theoretically, they paid for it when they got on the ship, or it was a government bailout situation, right? Like, it was like the entire world is Love Canal, and so, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, at that point, and plus there's a there's a weird uh, corpa, you know, corporate uh, government uh, hybrid at that point anyway, so does it really matter? We're post-money. Sure. And right, there's exactly. the the ship's propulsion is somehow self sustaining, and the food source is self sustaining. And... They they address that at one point. Do they? But there's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Thank you for smoking. When they they realize that they can't have a cigarette smoking scene in space because everything would blow up, and then I think it's actually <laughs> the Rob Lowe character who just goes, "Oh, that's no problem. We just throw in a line about thank God we invented the blah 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 machine that solves that problem." <laughs> and I, and they did the same thing here. They did the, uh, the he's doing the systems check, and there's like the uh, auto regenerating food buffet is operational, mm-hmm. like it just is. It just works. Like the replicators and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, the captain unlike- said that. Yes, during his okay. system. Unlike I, I Star Trek Voyager, been, I, when I was, the replicators are limited. Mm-hmm. I, I was just so confused watching his captain's jacket tied around his neck like a little <laughs> cape that so I must not have been paying attention. Well, right. They only had one captain's jacket, and it was for the slim captain that they set sail with. <laughs> oh. And that jacket is 700 years old? <laughs> yeah. So they could replicate uh, food, but not another captain's jacket. <laughs> um, I thought it was like very especially seeing it, you know, <clears throat> 13 years after it had come out, I thought, oh, this is so depressing because we're like inching. I mean, it's a little prescient. Mm-hmm. No shit. It, <laughs> yeah. The other thing I thought is that... Maybe there, there's an Amazon... Um, uh, <laughs> there's an Amazon robot flying around ready to yes, deliver me a Diet Coke absolutely. at any moment. Yeah. The other thing I thought, though, um, if my kids had seen this in the theater, they would have been like... No, <laughs> I'm not enjoying this. Like, this is not my kids would not have. They did not watch it with me because I watched it when they were at school, but they would have not been into it. This is really going into the time of Pixar being like, we are not for kids. We are for adults as well. And yeah. this is a deeper meaning message. And you have to kind of like, under, like I don't mm-hmm. they would have gotten the broader message well. of it, but there's no. You know, in the it first, really made for kids. No, yeah. it's like an animated idiocracy. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. It totally is. It absolutely yeah. is. And they, I yep. mean, apparently it did very well. And actually, they sold some merchandise, which I think is kind of mm-hmm. ironic. Why are you selling like plastic merchandise? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, come on. The company is called By and Large. They weren't trying to <laughs> um, be uh, subtle that's about but, it. But I did. That's one of the many reasons that I hate the Jim Carrey Grinch. You stole Christmas oh, yes. movie yes. for a, a movie that. That's uh, about uh, anti-commercialism that yeah. they made so much merchandise related to it. Yes. Yeah. No, but it is it is very depressing to watch now because mm-hmm. it just feels like we mm-hmm. are really so much closer to that than I feel like in 2008 we might have been like, oh yeah, we're go- we're tumbling towards that, but it was a little bit more theoretic, and now it kind of 
feels real. It's too late to pull the nose up on that tree now. And I do like that it, because this has always been my, <clears throat> something that is frustrating to me. I think it is, um, and this is not an original thought in the least, but um, corporate culture has made it the pers- personal responsibility of individuals to be environmentalists and not corporate culture. Mm-hmm. And and this kind of exposes that. Like, of course, yes, we can all do our part to recycle and, and you know, consume less plastic and lower our carbon footprint or whatever. But, like, it's not – I'm not going to be the one responsible for it. Like, it's we not – I can't it fix ourselves. it. Yeah. yeah, it is It is the Amazons. It's the whatever. You know, it's yep. fuel god or Isn't whatever. Isn't it something crazy? Like, 20 companies are responsible for 75% yeah. of the pollution? Yeah. Something like yeah, that? Some, carbon emissions? Yeah. And I heard somewhere that carbon footprint was like made up by Chevron or something like that. Like they're like, yep. oh, how do I put this on somebody else? It's like a heartbeat bill. Um, let's just like call it something else and make it your your problem. <sighs> but yeah, it was cool, 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 yeah, cool, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, fun note: uh, this uh, was produced by Pixar, obviously, and yet Hello Dolly, which I could take or leave as far as musicals go, uh, was owned by. 20th century fox at the time and so of the entire disney catalog they could have chosen from (laughs) from shit they owned to feature as the musical that's going to play incessantly through the goddamn movie uh they they went with um they went with hello dolly and i i was searching around and being like why why did this happen it just turns out that a bunch of people at Pixar had worked at Fox before, and so they just knew everyone, and they were like, yeah, sure, whatever, go for well, it. Well, thank God they now own Fox. So Exactly, right? <laughs> so now in perpetuity, now they can do whatever they want. But it was basically like, they could have just done it Mary Poppins, and then they would have been fine. Yeah, but, yeah no. they still would have had like the little straw boater hats to mm-hmm. tip and stuff. Exactly. That would have been great. Bobby, I was man. prepared to be irritated at you for the first half hour 40 minutes of the movie i was like he's on earth bobby (laughs) where's the space bobby (laughs) and then you redeemed yourself okay good i i do love that um other than hello dolly the um the really sparse uh talking the, the lack of dialogue in the first third of the movie i think is really impressive that it's as captivating as it is without without almost any talking it forced me to look up from candy crush and watch the movie because i was like wait a second what's happening what's going on and then yeah. and who doesn't love a fred willard cameo i mean honestly like an actual yeah. fred willard cameo <laughs> he's the only like human in the thing yeah no he does a good job he does r.i.p fred willard i know um no it was one of those movies when i first started it i, I had actually never seen it before and me neither i thought Hmm. you know i had i read this one time there's a theory that you're either a um, smart dumb person or a dumb smart person and i was like i feel like this is for dumb smart people like i don't get like i don't get the get it kind of because i was it was very like the music and they're on earth and it's i mean i get it but i was just sort of like what is happening i need to you're in media res and i don't really get it and then by the end i was like okay like i I'm, i'm vibing with this a little bit more Interesting. Wait, smart, so dumb people and dumb smart people. What do you think people. you are? Uh, I am fully a, a dumb smart person. I'm a smart. No, you're uh, I'm smart, a smart dumb person. I'm a smart dumb person. This is what I mean by I'm a smart dumb person. I was really bad at theory in college. Like I'm not good, but like I can memorize facts. 
So I feel like I can sound like I'm smart because I memorize facts about things, but I'm not actually really that, I'm not that deep. After <laughs> if, you, if you scratch a little bit deeper, you're like, mm, no, there's nothing there. Which, which one likes the Big Bang Theory? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't fit. I, although, you know what? If you threw on a Big Bang Theory, I'd probably chuckle a little bit, but I, it's not part That's of how it. they get you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'll chuckle, and then I'm mad at myself for chuckling. <laughs> Like, how dare you use that trope on me? <laughs> and how dare it be successful. <laughs> I know. Right, exactly. How dare you print money, Chuck Lorre? Kaylee Cuoco is the richest woman in America. Uh-huh. Oh, goodness. It's those, uh, it's those uh, Priceline commercials. Um, well, should we... That's it. That's... Yeah, that's it for Wally. Yeah. Watch, watch. If you haven't seen Wally and you think to yourself, it's a kid's movie, I'm not watching Wally, I would say... It's worth the 90 minutes to two hours, yeah. I forget, to watch one. And honestly, it's really not a kid's movie. I mean, it is like in that it's animated, but... It is and it isn't. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's certainly at a level that I think kids can understand. Yes. And it's not bringing any complex ideas no. into it. And kids understand, like, pollution is bad and, and trash right. is bad, yeah. Yeah, but it's, well, that it's thoughtful. Back to Little Mermaid, right? Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then robots um, fall in love, right? That's cute. That's always cute. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very sweet and has a good heart. Yes. I guess yeah. we'll say, yes. and it's not especially frenetic. Although the robot chase scenes at the end are quite zippy. Yes, yes, they are. Yes. No, but that was fine. I enjoyed it. Well. Let's talk about our last movie, um, which Christy picked, and I think we were all happy about. Have we all seen The Martian? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw it in the th- I think okay. that was, yeah, I, I, we definitely saw that in the theater. That was a theater one. Yeah, I this was saw, a, a rewatch. Yeah, this yeah I saw it us. in the theater, and then I think I went back with my parents and my brothers. I think for like a Thanksgiving, we went and saw The Martian again, and then I actually bought it. It's one of the few, few movies that I bought digitally so i it's it's my comfort movie it's, the way yeah. that hillary's yeah. comfort movie is the pelican <laughs> <laughs> mm. i could honestly <laughs> see this i thought about like when i because i did buy it on or i rented it on amazon i thought about buying it because i was like i could watch this movie over and over again and be totally happy i've probably watched it like four times yeah. since i bought it yeah. so yeah. but that did not stop me from re-watching it for this show because I wanted to. So for people who haven't seen it, I'll uh, summarize real quick. It's in a, is it, it's not really in the future. It seems sort of like a parallel earth because they talk about people who worked on the Pathfinder project in 1987. Yeah. And those mm-hmm. people are still alive yeah. and still functioning. So it can't be too far into the future, but they seem to have very sophisticated technology for space travel, especially that spaceship. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not quite sure. So I'm thinking that it is like a parallel timeline. And the this crew is on a mission to Mars, and there is a, a very strong storm that comes up that forces them to abandon the mission and evacuate. And astronaut Mark Watney is smashed into by debris and they all think he's dead and they have no choice but to leave him and then he wakes up the next day and haha he's all by himself on a whole fucking planet (laughs) and he has to figure out how to let them know he's still alive how to survive until they can get whatever it is they can do to rescue him and make the trip home 
And it's really an interesting movie. Number one, for the fact that Matt Damon is by himself for two hours. Yes. Yep. And completely holds my attention. It's amazing because that is a really, I mean, we've all heard people podcast alone and you're like, snore, I cannot listen to this anymore. (laughs) Um, It is, he is one of the few people I think could make you interested in listening to him monologue. It's still tough at times. He's got to lay a lot of pipe. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, he does. But I, but I, he has these little quips that are so funny. And even Rory thought it was funny. Like, I'm going to science the shit out of this or whatever. You're just like, yes, science. Yes. Yeah. I struggle with that too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to science the shit out of this. It's just one of those lines where I'm like, really? Say that (laughs) in the book. Yes. (laughs) So, um, the thing about, I mean, the science is very well done. The science is all completely plausible except for the initial dust storm on Mars. And Andy Weir was very clear about that when he wrote the book that he knew that Mars doesn't have enough atmospheric pressure to be able to have a storm of this kind of magnitude that would cause um, a crew to have to abandon it like that. But he was very interested in making a story that was, I was going to say man versus, which it is, but human versus nature. He didn't want there to be a human antagonist. This is very much a nature-based thing. So he was like, okay, we're going to take this one liberty with physics and then the rest of the movie all works. Yep. And it's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. And if you thought that some of the science stuff from Matt Damon was a little dry in the movie, please don't read the book. Is it like all science all the time? Um, No, but it's very thorough on the science. Like I read the book once and I was totally fascinated by all that. And then I reread it and I kind of skimmed all the science parts because I really didn't need that all a second time. Yeah. But I I mean, I don't know. I think it's just a really nicely done. It's smart without being boring for the most part. And there's some action. Yes. Um, oh, I, the, the one thing that they significantly changed in the movie is the end where they just can't quite get to him. Yes. Uh, from the spaceship and they're at the end of the tether and they can't reach him. So he pokes the his glove and uses the the, Mm -hmm. iron man's up to them. Uh, That does not happen in the book. He suggests it in the book and they say, and the captain absolutely commander Lewis shoots it down and um, kill him. Wouldn't it? Oh, totally. There's no way there would be that much atmosphere inside this suit that he could get it all the way. But I understand why they did it. Yeah. Right. It was in terms of like movie making, thrilling, climatic stuff. And Yeah. She needed to, grab him and save him and you know do what she couldn't do before on the planet wikipedia is saying it's set in 2035 see i don't think i thought that and i was like there's no way it's not that technologically advanced well that's not that far away yeah i guess so you don't think that the hermes is that no no i do i just feel like 2035 like if they had said 2027 i would have been like okay i don't know why 35 seems like it comes out it came out in 2015 so it's a 20 yeah yeah i guess so i guess so that's the that's the wonder years jump isn't it we don't fund nasa really (laughs) so you know i suppose who knows what we 
could have achieved by this point mm-hmm. uh, if our only options weren't Elon and Jeff. <laughs> no, God. Yeah. Let's get something else out the there. I Worst match game ever. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, this is jumping to the end, but this rivals Apollo 13 with just a killer NASA rescue scene. Yeah, celebration. <laughs> I, because it's worldwide. I know. They go to JPL. They go to, yeah, they're in NASA. I, there's there's like a Times Square. There's like China. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I cried. The the only things that I remember and I, just their names are so significant that I was like, why cast these actors? Although I think Chiwetel Ejiofor is a wonderful actor. He is he's great. But his name is what is it? It's um, Vincent Kapoor. And I'm like, okay, his name is not. I mean, he's not Vincent Kapoor. I mean, I guess his dad. Could I mean, have been, because I think his character in the book was. It, Fully Indian. Yeah. And then also Mindy Park. I'm like, I know there's nobody I, named Mindy Park who is a blonde white lady. Like that's just not. And she, Kristen Wiig is a weird choice. Um, I thought she was fine. She did a good job. And I, yeah, yeah, she did. But she, I don't know. And I, it's way out of her lane. I yeah. think that Mackenzie, what is her last name? Um, Davis. Yes. I think she's a good actress. I've seen her in a few things that I think she's, a, and her reactions are great. Like she, plays a good nerd and she i like her but it's just like her name is mindy park like change her name or right. hire or cast an asian else. actress mm-hmm. yeah. yeah or korean i think she's yep. supposed to be korean or something and so that's struck me as just because they stand out i wouldn't have even noticed it had there you know because i haven't read the book and i think she yeah. is described as korean american in the book i think i believe she is yeah so it's, it's just a little teeny bit of whitewashing yes which is they didn't need to do which is weird because it's a pretty diverse cast you know it's not all white um mm-hmm. but um no i i was telling y'all i watched a little bit of it with rory and he did like it though he always thinks there's too much talking but i said hey rory <laughs> yeah. i is that is that bucky and he was like maybe and i'm like i think it is the guy sebastian stan um doesn't he play Bucky? Does he play Bucky? Am yep. I right? And he was like, he, he was like, Bucky has a beard though. And I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you. He shaved it for this part. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, as long as we're talking about casting choices, can we talk about Donald Glover as the, you know, spectrum brilliant guy? Because mm-hmm. I love Donald Glover and I think he's a great actor and I think he was, it, it's not as big a miscast as Matthew McConaughey no, contact, no. but I think it's a pretty big miscast. It's a weird, like smallish role that I think, yeah, mm-hmm. it is kind of odd that he's, that he plays it because he's such a star to me that I'm like, wait, yeah. what is he doing here? Why is he doing this supporting? Yes. And role? I just, I don't think he understands the assignment. Genius, yes. A scientific genius very well. Cause he's doing this kind of, absent-minded twitchy sort of thing and i'm you know meredith and i both worked with ostensibly very (laughs) smart people i've never seen any of them empty their coffee into a mesh trash can that's a great moment (laughs) and then like step in it afterwards it just doesn't it doesn't happen it's so like wrong for the type of personality that would be a PhD in, as I assume, in astrophysics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, that's not the kind of person it would be. So I think he's, I mean, did he like ever go to JPL like for a day and meet any of the people? <laughs> Maybe not. Do you because think that was just a, right. a cameo role that was created for someone they wanted to feature? And then like with the way they shaped it for screen, 
it was like who's an up and coming person because like, you know sometimes there are those roles where you just want to insert someone yeah that's the big you know star their way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah was yeah. this like, like around the fervor when everybody wanted him to be um no, spider-man spider-man no i think this was before that before i think that. this was post community yeah but he was definitely on the, the up and up atlanta pre-atlanta yeah. Yeah. yeah right yeah yeah atlanta came out in 2016 or started oh. in 2016 okay. so um i think that jeff daniels plays a perfect uh like that's like the, yeah that's yeah. like the role he's made he's like i'm stern this is what i am <laughs> like i'm mm-hmm. stern he does that role he does well. it really yeah. well and I just think that Jessica Chastain is very pretty. <laughs> Why she I just think she's so pretty. Like, I can just look at her face for some reason. So your hot take. Yes, I think that week. Jessica Chastain is very Controversial. Pretty. But a little bit too glamorous. Yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely. To play an astronaut. Absolutely. And actually what I thought, which I forgot about at the end, you know, they're doing sort of the prologue of everybody. Like, this is what everybody's doing after it. And hers is sad to me. Like, it seems, you know, she's watching the... Uh, lift off and she's the one that's like alone uh, having just worked out just at home kind of frowning at the TV and I was like oh poor Commander Lewis she doesn't want to do that anymore I know I know (laughs) anyway but I Jessica Chastain too glamorous Matt Damon eh. (laughs) well Mm -hmm. he does get a little grungy at the end and I was imagining how bad he probably did smell I mean supposedly you mean when he was a space pirate (laughs) yes (laughs) Well, I was thinking about that. Him having to be where did they film Mar- Jordan? Oh, okay, I think. they filmed those exterior those Mars exterior scenes in Jordan. So he was out there in the desert in that suit. Yeah, so he probably really did smell bad. Yeah, God knows how long. I don't know if they could like they they don't run any like cooling lines or anything in those costumes. I'm sure it was just a little. Oof individual oven that he was baking in for <laughs> 10 hours a day uh indeed yeah indeed but it is it is really i i'm going to consider buying it because it's definitely one that i could just put on and be like oh i'm just gonna a few scenes that you just want to watch over and over again yep i think it was years ago i think it was on keep it where they started talking about the martian and one of them was like i just that movie is so unrealistic because you're telling me that somebody would get stranded on Mars and not like flip out and be an absolute basket case for the whole time. Cause that's what I would do. And I'm like, yeah, that's why you're writing for TV <laughs> yeah. shows and you're not a scientist. <laughs> because one of the best things about this movie is sort of the, um, the way that it shows the brain of a scientist and kind of uh, analyze the situation, prioritize the activities, solve the most important problem one by one by one. You just keep going and going and going. Yes. And that's why he doesn't lose his mind. Yes. I mean, that and I think they were probably pretty heavily, like, psychologically tested yeah. before yeah. they let them go on a deep space mm-hmm. mission. And he was very well equipped with that snarky sense of humor to kind of be able to bounce back from all that. And he has his moments where he freaks out. And then he's like, all right, and now we've done that, and now we get back to business. Well, that's what I always think in these movies, because I, I would not be psychologically, psychologically well-suited to go into space, because if any one problem went wrong, I'd be like, oh, no, we're dead. This is it. We're done. <laughs> um, but I do, and I don't know how realistic it is, but I do always, the calmness of understanding the science and the math behind it, and just like he says, like, solving one problem, then solving the next problem, solving the next problem. And, and it, they kind of talk about in contact too, where it's like, you just got to take small steps. It's small steps. And then you'll, you'll get there eventually. And I 
have to remind myself of that along when I get overwhelmed because you know it's it's easy to get overwhelmed, but if you chip away at it, it's it's better. Yep. But then after he's solved all the problems and taken all the steps and done absolutely everything he can do and is sitting in that convertible waiting to go to space that he hears their voices and the acting in that scene is so good because he's just like trying desperately to hold it together as he is now sort of helpless and dependent on them to make this work out for him Uh, Mm -hmm. i just think that's really incredible you too (laughs) Uh, just found a vulture article just from a couple of months ago here the best Matt Damon movies ranked. And oh. there's, there's 38 on the list because Damn. they have bunched so, the Ocean's movies and the Bourne movies so into one is, number. Is uh, School Ties number one? Uh, <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, no, no, it's not. Would you like to guess where The Martian landed on this very accurate uh, list from Vulture? I don't know. I'm scrolling, but I'm only at 24. Hey, you're supposed you. to guess. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I want to. I would say two. Egg three. Oh, actually. so number... these games are mostly for Hillary, so nobody else has so to guess. So I would assume Goodwill Hunting is number one. Actually, no. I think this list is flawed. The talented Mr. Ripley is one. And oh the no, that's good. Is two. Oh. What? Mm. No. Actually, I always forget about Talented Mr. Ripley. He is excellent in that movie. And that movie, that's a really, really And the Bourne movies are number four as a collective group. And then I thought they would just get it. I would just thought he would get the writing bump for Goodwill Hunting, you know, writing and starring in it. Um, Anne already blew it because she saw it, but she didn't tell anyone else what number 38 is. What? We bought it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, it ranked, huh? Oh, God. Well, it had to make the list because, so. you know, it's M- a Matt Damon movie. Like, much like uh, Robert Zemeckis, uh, Cameron Crowe was a promising young uh, film director, and I don't know what happened yeah. to him. I think he got too long a leash. Golly. Is what it is. <sighs> Let's talk about Elizabethtown. Just kidding. Um, we did two hours on this without watching Apollo 13. I'm proud of oh, us. I might go watch <laughs> it now. Well, that scene of them dumping all the shit on the table to try to figure out what they have oh, to work with. So is... good. That's another thing. Real quick. I do love space movies because they are largely process movies. And you know I love a mm-hmm. process movie. And it's like, how are we going to fix this? Let's figure yeah. it out. I know we don't like the term, but competence porn. Oh, no. It's so good, though. It is, though. Yeah. It is. Uh, despite most of these movies uh, revolving around the relative incompetence of NASA. <laughs> uh, question of the week this week. Are we there? Is that it? We've rounded the two-hour mark. Yeah. So. Oh. Uh, wait, uh, song choices are on point for The oh, Martian. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they are. The disco-inspired soundtrack. <laughs> yep. yep. Also, the the regular score yeah, is beautiful. It's really nice. As well. Yeah, it is. Uh, his ability to smirk every time he talks about how much he hates disco. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually yeah, such but, a perfect... But then bo- car dance along to it. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a perfect Boston guy to be like, I fucking hate disco. And it's like, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> Except Donna Summer because she's from Boston. Exactly. Um, all right. All right. Anybody, any parting shots? No, look quick. Let's go. <laughs> uh, what movie what makes movie? you think, think of space? <laughs> Duh. Yeah. All right. We don't have anything to recommend. As 
and previously stated, um, we were watching space movies. Yeah, listen, go, yeah. go, wa- go watch Space Camp. Go watch, right? yeah, go watch. I guess these guys, yeah. Space Camp is free on YouTube. Oh, yeah. go, Come on, you can watch it while you're working. Like you can just like put it in your lap and take a peek. Damn it! Another email pretty. from Redfin. This is the fourth one today. <laughs> <laughs> they got your number. All right, though, get involved. Uh, the website is thisshowhaseverything.com. You can also use throwyourphone.com. Bobby made sure it works. It does. Um, Join the Facebook group if you're so inclined. Uh, We love all the comments there. It is very fun. The show Twitter, which is intermittently um, posted (laughs) to, is at Show. Email us, tshe at 10710.com. Send us a voice memo, um, just like Alicia did. And we probably, we promise we won't like cuss you out. We love you, Alicia. Mm. <laughs> uh, facts, Bobby, your um, plans from Vega and the primer that you can use <laughs> <laughs> to 617-354-8513. God, that would be so awesome if we actually got like a fax of some transport to take us to yep. Pensacola. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are other ways to get to Pensacola. <laughs> 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 I don't want to go to Pennsylvania. I don't either. Not right now. <laughs> um, all right. Thanks for joining us, y'all. And that was not even close to everything about nope. movies about space. Thanks. Guys, it should have been Josh Brolin. <laughs> oh. 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 oh.